Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Going viral is a social media term, if you haven't heard, that redefines some big news that hits social media sites. But maybe now it's a little bit back to the future as a legit old school virus. Coronavirus has threatened the economy and upset global markets. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. I am Chris William and clearly uh, there is nothing boring about the beginning of 2020. What are the most important things that we need to be focused on, though? We'll kick off this week's regional dialogue in just a moment. And later on, a Raleigh company that has now confirmed unicorn status. Pendo founder Todd Olson joins us. We hope you stay with us. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Patrick Woody from the North Carolina Rural Center, Dr. Scott Huffman of Winthrop University, and special guest, Todd Olson, co-founder and CEO of Pendo. Hello, welcome again to our program. I, I guess it's not too late to say Happy New Year, huh? Can we still do that? Sure. As long as we're happy and it's the New Year. <laughs> yeah, okay. Better definition. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. Uh, Leandro is, is code in North Carolina for a uh, systemic and uh, pretty seismic change in education policy going forward. It's a decision. Um, and I'm not even going to probably do it justice, but it's a decision that uh, recently North Carolina Judge David Lee agreed with that North Carolina needs to provide adequate funding and education for all uh, students and families. Um, and I'm going to give you a chance to wait in on that because South Carolina has already gone down that road. But uh, David Lee agreed with a, a consultant called West Ed for North Carolina to make these changes. What do you think the biggest risk for a Leandro decision being applied and deployed? Well, first of all, I would say we really have reached a milestone and it only took us 25 years yeah. to get here. 25 the, years of litigation yeah. since the, the suit was filed by five very rural, the school districts in five very rural counties about the North Carolina constitutional guarantee of a sound basic education. And after all that litigation, the good news is the parties have agreed a consent judgment has been entered uh, the judges agreed to the consent judgment um, that basically mandates uh, adequate funding 
um, of, of schools, and, and we're talking a lot about rural school districts there. Um, I think now the devil really is in the details, as they say, and, and translating that consent judgment into reality, seeing that funding increase in a meaningful way, um, taking into account some of the unique attributes of rural schools that challenge them more so uh, than our urban and suburban school districts is, is really the solution still will be challenging and it will be a very expensive mm -hmm. uh, solution, but it is an investment uh, in a constitutional guarantee of a sound basic education to every child in North Carolina. Do, do you get the sense through, and I don't want you to give up any sources, Patrick, but do you get the sense through inside baseball and cocktail conversations that the North Carolina General Assembly will comply? I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I, I do think we have a challenge right now. We have a lot of big challenges facing our state. Many of them, um, as, as the rural center, I'm particularly interested in this Leandro case is one of them. We are, ha we are struggling right now as a state to figure out a way to fund really big adequate solutions to the really big, difficult, complicated problems we face. And I think right now, given the state, given the fact that we're um, operating largely without a state budget um, mm -hmm. um, at this point in, in the fiscal year, really signals that we, we're having trouble coming to consensus about how do we solve the big problems and how do we agree to the solutions that, that uh, and fund mm -hmm. the solutions that are gonna solve the really big problems. That's a big concern for me. Scott, South Carolina seemingly has seen this movie before mm -hmm. from the 1999 ruling Abbeville v, uh, v the state of South Carolina. Is that, is that a fair comparison? Well, uh, you know, we went down this road and then, then cut ourselves off. So the, you know, the corridor shame in South Carolina, I think people are familiar with, with the, you know, the poor education and the, the you know, the PD area that follows I-95 through South Carolina. And so the Abbeville case came along and said that, you know, the students of South Carolina have the right to, in, in our case, a minimally adequate education. And so the idea of how to then disburse and refund the school districts to make it more equal dragged on and on and on. And one of the original dissenters um, in that that said it was an overreach between branches actually got the chance to now vacate it. So it's been vacated. But during the process, what happened is, you know, our sort of three-legged stool of, of taxes of, you know, uh, uh, income tax, sales tax, and property tax, property tax funding the schools, that leg got kicked out. And the idea was to create some type of, of equality funding formula that never really came through. And so we went down this road saying it's clear that the rural schools are absolutely not getting equal funding. The students are not getting an equal education and now that ruling's been vacated, and so we're back at a blank slate. So is, it, is this about enforcement of a decision? Is this about, go back to South Carolina, it, everyone agreed that it needed to happen, mm -hmm. but there wasn't agreement on enforcement or funding? 
the the funding agreement was what they were fighting over the whole time and there was no enforcement and that sort of became the problem and you know that's the case with a, a lot of um, uh, Supreme Court cases in states and at the national level there's no Supreme Court police force to enforce this it's up to the executive branch and in South Carolina's case the executive branch is even weaker than the executive branch in North Carolina we are a massively legislatively dominant state and the legislature was absolutely not willing to police itself and come up with a funding formula that matched with the original decision ordered. And, and not to put words in your mouth, Scott, but I get the sense from South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster's state of the state just a, a week or two ago, he talked about teacher raises, but nothing more than that. Um, no, uh, there's, you know, th there's gone years where state employees have not gotten cost of living raises or anything like that. There's been several marches over the past, I think, about 18 months where teachers have marched in South Carolina. And so raising the pay simply to even closer to the southeastern average just to keep teachers, that's going to be seen as a massive step yeah. when in actuality that should have been done years ago. Is North Carolina Governor Cooper uh, all in on the Leandro direction? Oh, I think so. Um, um, you know, I, I know that uh, his commission has followed the Leander case very closely. Um, but again, it will boil down to um, an agreement and, and consensus building between the legislative branch and the executive branch to get to the funding levels that it's going to take. And one thing to bear in mind is, you know, over decades, the funding uh, formulas have been carefully negotiated and this case really has the potential to upset the whole apple cart in terms of leading to everything um, that has been a given for a long time needing to be renegotiated. It's going to be a really complicated uh, process to work through. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for delineating the, the challenges. Stay with us, please. Uh, coming up on our program, she has been here before and uh, more than a head of steam, Nephron Pharmaceuticals in South Carolina has uh, clearly put a stamp on the Midlands in Columbia, um, but have been doing some unique hiring and labor practices around finding new talent. We're going to talk to Lou Kennedy, CEO of Nephron Pharmaceuticals, not just about that and not just about pharmaceuticals and pharma and drugs, but many other things. Stay with us for that. Also, Dr. Mandy Cohen is the secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services in North Carolina and has taken on opioid challenges, among other things, in the old North State. We will also be talking with Dr. Mandy Cohen in coming weeks. The accolades and recognition for growth, the best places to work, the fastest growing organization, a billion dollar startup, being a unicorn, et cetera, et cetera, keep coming in for our guests company. That's good. But how do you manage explosive growth and not let it get out of hand? And what is the company now versus what they originally concepted it to be? Joining us now is the chief executive officer and the founder of Raleigh-based cloud provider, Pendo, Todd Olson. Todd, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. You know, from 2013 to now 2020, you got seven years of 4,000% growth. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Gotta be fun, but is it, is it hard to manage? Do you look back on it now and think, yeah, wow, I never thought it was gonna be this, or our biggest challenge is at X? What, I mean, where do you come down on some of this? Um, honestly, I try not to reflect too much on the, the, the collective <laughs> experience there. You know, you, you know I, I always say, uh, you got to focus on core principles, and um, 
and take it one quarter at a time, one year at a time. And we've been fortunate, you know, you know, each year we kind of sit and say, what can we do this year? Um, and we have been fortunate that we were able to do what we say we can do for, for consecutive years in a row. And I think that's what's led to some of the success. But look, I think if you focus on hiring great people, we've been doing that since day one, and we still do that today. I still interview nearly every person at the company. Um, you build a great product, so we take our product really, really seriously and make sure that it's delivering value to customers. And then third, take care of your customers. So we pride ourselves on having great customer support. Um, we go above and beyond. It's part of our core values is having a maniacal focus on customers. And I think if you do those three things and keep focusing on them and don't lose sight of that's what got us here, um, you can continue to grow very, very quickly without things going off the rails. Mm -hmm. Patrick? Well, I know one of the things that um, that I've heard you talk about is the importance of ecosystems uh, and, and just that building that environment for the success of entrepreneurs. And I know you think a lot about the, the, the young men and women that are going to follow you as young entrepreneurs and making the path easier for them. I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit about what are some of those things that would make it easier and what, what was it that, that really ultimately enabled you to break through? Yeah, look, um, everyone needs help and, and their story and i think early on we were part of hq raleigh which was a co-working space and it was nice to be in an ecosystem um, that was very innovative that was filled with startups i think that was very positive um, from there um, when we started raising capital it exposed us to networks and other entrepreneurs where i can learn from i mean early in pendo's history i would get invited you know, periodically to CEO events, um, sometimes local, sometimes outside the region, and I would invest in going to as many as I can. And, and I learned so much just by talking with other CEOs, talking with other tech companies that we aspired to be. And I think we need more of that across our regions, more opportunities. Now I'm in a position where I try to give back as well. And if a young entrepreneur writes an email, hey, can I get 30 minutes on your calendar? And I, I typically say yes. And I think we need more um, successful companies and, and experienced folks giving back to folks earlier in their entrepreneurial journey to make sure they, they get the support they need to, to to help, uh, succeed. Mm -hmm. Scott, thank you. Well, I, a question about from the economic development side of, of the you know entities that are trying to attract these type of companies. In, um, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where I'm from, York County, we have tens of thousands of people with um, you know kind of knowledge economy skills <laughs> leaving the county every day because the jobs are up here in Charlotte or they're elsewhere. And so the, the county and the city are facing this sort of chicken and egg thing, you know, where they're trying to advertise to the companies, hey, we've got um, 5,000 people with programming skills leaving the, the, the county every day if you just had a business here, you could keep them here for the same salary. I, I did the survey, we mm -hmm. did the survey that found that out. So, you know, what, how do you build that ecosystem? That ecosystem it seemed to exist in Raleigh in the triangle for you to grow, but how does an entity that wants to kind of come up from the beginning that doesn't have it, how do we attract companies like that? Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you're doing the right sorts of things. Because I think ultimately when it comes to scaling a business, talent is almost always one of the biggest limiters, right? And I, um, you know, 
but you need to break through and you need a few success stories. And I think that's what, what you need to focus on is convincing a few entrepreneurs that, that have real experience and have proven they can do it before, set up shop and try to take their experience and apply it to this community and try to build a success story that you can use as sort of a foundation to, to build upon. And I think um, I was fortunate and we we're fortunate in the Triangle region to have companies like Red Hat who helped set the stage for our community, arguably, in, in technology. But you see it across other industries as well, or other communities as well. Austin, Texas is doing quite well, and they've got you know Dell and a few other companies that form that, that bedrock. But um, talent is the key limiter to a lot of these companies' success. And we're seeing now a lot of backlash against some of the larger uh, cities across uh, the United States, uh, you're seeing um, a lot more people fleeing the Bay Area because of cost of living. Um, and I do think that other regions are going to have a, another opportunity because people want a, a better life. I think it's not just about, I think people look beyond the work and see, wow, I, I, I need to think about my overall um, uh, cost of living and, and quality of life. So a lot of people in, internal to North Carolina and, and South Carolina have been, have been critical that we don't have the critical mass for funding, for talent, for co-location of similar services. I think of now the, and let, let's just talk about the unicorns. So certainly Pendo, Avid Exchange, Encino and Wilmington, uh, Epic Games, Benefit Focus, et cetera, et cetera. All of these companies, so every time you become, have now become a, a, a unicorn, Todd, and you see more of that, does it make it easier and easier for the Carolinas to be thought of as a place for that critical mass development, talent, and money, and money's getting easier now to find? Um, little by little, yeah. I mean, easy. Like, like let's be careful to call it easy. <laughs> I don't think anything's easy. Um, it, it's definitely harder here than other regions. Um, but uh, it is it does get easier. E each success story we get, yeah, the ones you listed are fantastic success stories. Um, you know, it's interesting now when I meet with prospective investors in this most recent round. Some of the investors, one of the investors we brought into this round was um, General Atlantic, and General Atlantic, I believe, was involved with Red, Red Ventures here in mm -hmm. Charlotte. And um, anytime you get um, world-class uh, investors coming to your region, I mean, it's crazy. People, if they're in Charlotte, they will just stop by in Raleigh. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I know it's two and a half hours away, but um, uh, that's being near me. You know, and I think uh, same with Wilmington. If someone's in Wilmington, they will just stop by and, and see us, mm -hmm. right? So I think we're getting more and more of that. And, and so then, you know, we're causing it for other folks that people are visiting us. That's the opportunity to visit, frankly, anyone in the region because it's close enough where a one hour, two hour car ride doesn't, isn't seen as like a, I mean, if you live in a large city, a one hour, two hour car ride, it's like nine miles, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and for us, it's of course across the, the entire state. Yeah, you know. right. Patrick? One question I have, as you enter this period of explosive growth and you've made decisions to open offices in other cities around the country and around and looking around the globe, are those other locations, is it about capital acquisition? Is it about being closer to customers? Uh, is it about talent acquisition, all of the above? What's, what's the most important considerations? Yeah, originally the extra offices, uh, and we have six offices around the world, including Raleigh, our headquarters, and uh, about, just for context, about 410 employees today, 260-ish are in uh, Raleigh. Um, 
It started off as actually talent, you know, and, and specifically senior talent with specific skill sets. And um, so when you're finding experienced leadership, um, that's the one thing like in, in our region in general, we, we don't have a wealth of. If you're looking for a you know, chief product officer of a you know, cloud company, like that, that's done it before, that's a tough role to fill, right? Specifically in our region. Yeah. Um, so what we've had to do is go outside and be creative and have people commute down. And uh, what's nice is though, since we've done this, a few of the folks that we had in different um, offices like New York City, San Francisco, have actually relocated to our state um, through you know, coming back and forth and realizing, hey, this is actually pretty nice. I actually enjoy visiting. So once you get exposed to something, it creates an opportunity to showcase what's great about our region and, and um, bring people here. Um, but yeah, talent was, has been one of the key areas in, in New York and San Francisco, which two of our first offices we opened up. Um, we've opened up um, London, uh, Israel, and Sheffield, and, and, and Sheffield and Israel are both products of acquisition, so those are acquiring products, frankly, mm -hmm. that we could sell uh, to our customer base. Um, but then New York and San Francisco also serve as um, uh, exactly as you articulated, being close to customers. So having a West Coast presence, we have a lot of customers out there. This gives us time zone benefits. Um, and now we are thinking about you know around the world coverage as we uh, we've launched our EMEA operations early this year. We're looking at Asia Pack as well, um, probably late this year, early next year. Mm -hmm. So Scott, well you know one of the things all of those locations have in common is just a, a, a strong infrastructure. And so I, when you were mentioning you know in Wilmington coming to Raleigh, I know that that stretch. There's a lot of rural area with with no broadband coverage, no high speed internet. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of these areas are not going to be able to to attract the next Pindo, but they want to be able to attract the small companies. So again, thinking about um, economic development, what kinds of infrastructure are the formerly rural but increasingly suburban counties going to need to develop to start attracting more businesses? Yeah, I think what, what you need is, yes, you need like broadband access and Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah, I go back and forth to the beach all the time and the number of times I drop calls is yeah. very, very frustrating. So like if fixing that would yeah. be wonderful for all of us. So that's certainly one. Um, I, I think one of the things that is actually very difficult is flexibility. You know, um, it's flexibility. Like when I'm leasing an office space, I don't, I can't sign a six-year lease, a seven-year lease. I mean, sometimes, in, in some of these communities, people want commitments that are just unrealistic for small businesses. So um, flexibility, month to month, um, flexible spaces, allowing me to have rights to expand if I need them, but not have me some massive commitment in advance. Those are the kinds of things that are that are super useful. Um, but so, it sounds like their attempt at stability is actually driving off the companies they're, they're hoping to attract. Correct, correct, absolutely. I, I think flexibility is, uh, we've been, um, uh, at our headquarters, we've been in like four or five different locations. We still lease at least one of our older ones. Um, and we probably will continue to lease multiple offices for years to come, even when we move into our new headquarters, we'll probably have to keep two other offices. Now, we're well-funded so we can do these types of things, but not every company can right. do that. And it's, it's um, frankly, Frustrating, you know, and, and that's one of the things early on that finding this flexibility is, is really, really key for us. You just don't know what's going to happen. Like we did happen to explosively grow, mm -hmm. um, but we may not have. And you don't want to commit to something not knowing in advance. So that's one of the, the, the key the key things. And the other thing they could do is just good infrastructure for the employees. Um, 
uh, good infrastructure for childcare. You know, I think in our region, um, a lot of people that work at our company have families. That isn't the case in other large cities. Like, uh, you know, some of our more um, urban centers where we have offices, you have younger people, in many cases unmarried, no children. You know, they, they stay in the office until 7, 8 p.m. Um, but it's different in our headquarters. I think we, and that's okay. I think people that live here are living here for, for different reasons. And, but they also need flexible childcare options, affordable childcare options, because a lot of, I mean, they're all working mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, if someone has a sick kid, we need to be able to accommodate those situations and they want to be able to do yeah, their job. Almost everything you said is focused around talent and skill. And I see so many of these counties building giant spec buildings that then remain empty, that but, that's what they're trying to show yeah, up. Th thank you, we got about a minute, we got about a minute left. And I, I want to ask you this one thing, and, it, and we're going to have to wrap it up quickly. I hate to do that to you, Todd, but, you know, the, the whole idea you've been able to build Pendo beginning basically in 2013, it's been during an expansionary phase. What happens when it slows down? How do you model? How do you build in protections that keeps your momentum going? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons we've raised $200 million. Um, we've raised capital each long, at each point when we haven't needed it, frankly. So we still have most of the capital from our prior fundraise when we raised $100 million um, at the end of last year. And the part of the reason you do that is to weather the storm. Um, we're in an advantageous position where we've done well and able to attract it, and, and the, that's frankly why yeah. we've done it. Now, well, we're a business that's a recurring revenue business, so our customers sign contracts. Um, if we wanted to get to you know, cash flow break even, you know, if for some reason we had macroeconomic slowdown, we could just slow down our growth and we would easily weather the storm. So easily. Yeah. It's easy to say it's easy, yeah, but yeah, it would right. be easier than some other business. Thank you for all, always qualifying that term <laughs> because you've been, you're very thoughtful about that. Uh, please come back to the program. I wish we had more time, but thank yeah, you and congratulations. Pleasure. Thank you. Great news. Good growth. Thank you. Appreciate okay. it. Good to see you. Scott, good to have you back on the program. Thank you. With the new beard. Looks With good. the beard. Uh, Patrick, thank you for being here. Thank you. As always. Until next week, I'm Chris William. Hope your business is good. Happy weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Barings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.